1: To good morning, football live from New York City. It's Monday, February 26th. I'm Colleen Wolf, alongside Peter Schrager, Jason McCordy, and Ryan Leaf. Kyle Brant—he is off all week. Ryan will be back tomorrow. Peter will be at the combine tomorrow. We have Kyle Van Noy in as well. We're hey. swapping Kyles. Um, Brian
2: Hoyer coming in. Yep. Hey, one week. I'm a little Menzel.
1: Uh-huh. Ooh. Jamie Erdahl is at the combine as well.
2: Okay, me so and Colleen here. will be here. We'll be right here. Yeah. You, guys, you guys, you guys. Yeah, we're gonna hold it down here, right here. Here's the, the wonderful travels of Peter Sugar. I'll be here. Talk right about now. it. I'm running <laughs> to Indianapolis I'm right after the show. I'll mm-hmm. be getting on a plane. I'll be doing the show Tuesday, Wednesday from Indy. I'm back here with you guys Thursday, Friday. Then I'm back in Indy for the drills. So if you want to travel and check me like Taylor Swift in my private jets, you can. Of course, was, I am flying private. I thought and, this was Sugar's of off season. No, this is the GOAT team. I am not flying private.
1: Oh. Can oh. you bring me back like a visor? Yes. I feel like that's a, like sort that? of like I'm a, a scout. Thursday, Thursday the morning, outlook.
2: the two of you will have gifts from the Indianapolis airport that I will purchase, and, I'll wear, and we will wear them on Thursday. Oh, my
1: God. Absolutely. I love that. Great airport plan. I'm for the lead block. Lead Here block. we go. We going yeah. It's going to be a little bit of a long offseason for the 49ers, dealing with the sting of that Super Bowl loss, and then just days later, they let go of their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes. Here's what Kyle Shanahan had to say after the firing
3: bringing in Steve who was unbelievable and is how loyal he was and him trying to do it but it just ended up not being the right fit and you know it hurt for me to do this but that's exactly why I had to when you have some good players who have played at a high level and done it a certain way I'm not just trying to change that you know I lean towards trying to keep them doing similar stuff that they've been very good at that's got us very far but I have to make sure that I find the right person who's capable of leading our group in that way that the standard of how we have done it and that the belief that we'll continue to get better at it I believe in with whoever I choose to do this for us.
1: So that was 11 days ago, and still no defensive coordinator in San Francisco. Only one team in the last 50-plus years has lost the Super Bowl and then won it the very next season. Of course, it was the Patriots Mm -hmm. in 2018. So that's Mm -hmm. what the Niners are up against, Jason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> but how harsh will this Super Bowl hangover be for the Niners because Kyle Shanahan having experienced similar losses before and then it happened again and it seemed they were so close. Peter, how are they going to get over this? I mean, all the Tylenol in the world won't help this
2: hangover. I think it's brutal. I think it's brutal. It's brutal because the season lasted so long. This is the first time the Niners have lost a Super Bowl after the extended 18-week schedule. So they lose, and then you have, obviously, you know, President's Day week, and then we're right back at the combine. But. I don't know if I'm stealing any secret. Kyle Shanahan doesn't go to the combine anymore. Those Niners, that Niners coaching staff doesn't do the combine. That's not what they do. They A lot of these teams say, just send the front office, get us the tape, we'll interview guys when they come to our building. Like, And they don't have a defensive coordinator. I feel like they're so far behind the eight ball than other teams that have been getting ready for the combine, getting ready for the draft, getting ready for free agency. They have their full coaching staff loaded up. I think this is going to be a brutal hangover for the Niners, and yet, they have the players that yeah. have been there and done that i saw uscheck had, had a post this week something about you know it's not it's a it's a delay it's not an over, it's not a, it's just a delay he called it like it they have that mental wherewithal but i think from the organizational standpoint to be up 10 again on that team in the super bowl we're going to be talking about it all off season i think it is a bitter pill and the fact you now need to replace a defensive coordinator and maybe i came out guns blazing that first week i was like go hire Belichick, and yeah. i meant it and then I was like, or Brandon Staley. It sounds like if you're taking all this time and you're still, put, you know, thinking about it 11 days later, it sounds more like an internal candidate is probably the lo- likely guy. Either way, to not have a defensive coordinator as we head towards March and to have to finish the season so late compared to your contemporary, I think it's a real deal, and I think the entire organization is feeling this right now. And, um, I don't trust anyone more than Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch to get these guys going and to get it back up. And maybe it's not that significant, but they are behind the eight ball right now. And gosh, if they had won, it would have felt like the world was off their shoulders. But now it's even heavier on it.
4: Without a doubt, and you said an internal candidate, and I said it when he let Wilkes go because the things he was mentioning of having players already in house and an expectation and a standard that they've already set, it makes the most sense to get somebody. If it's not in house, somebody that maybe has left that knows what they do there. And you talk about the hangover. I feel like for them in that organization, you start to look. Around Around and you're like, well, is it just not meant to be for this group of men to be able to put it mm. together and win a Super Bowl? You mentioned being up 10 again in the Super Bowl. We've already mentioned the conference losses that they had, that they have been up in those games. So for Shanahan and his crew of trying to figure out a way to get over this thing, it makes it so tough. And I think even the aftermath of the Super Bowl, specifically winning versus losing it, we're watching Chris Jones at a parade talking about, I'm coming back to Kansas City, I'm going to be back. Because that's the joy that you have when you've won that game, and you've gone through that entire journey. If you mentioned those 18 weeks, and then the playoffs, and now it all cumulates to a Super Bowl, and you win that game. And on the other side, after the game for the 49ers, we see Brandon Ayuk talking about, know if he's he's under contract for the following year, but doesn't know with everything going on going into his final year if he's going to be there. And then family, that's the exact aftermath of losing that game, of what you're seeing walking off the field as the confetti's falling, knowing that you've fallen short. On the other end, they don't have any big, big big-name free agents. There's some guys, Javon, Ken Law, Chase Young, you've made that trade for. Donald, the backup quarterback, he's a free agent. But for the most part, they return all of their guys in a division where the Cardinals are resetting, the Seahawks just got a brand-new head coach. The Rams, obviously, are going to be better with that young team they had. But the 49ers still have a really good chance to be a good football team next year It's just how fast they get over this thing
3: hangovers I gave them up 12 years ago. (laughs) Uh, It's a good point. You know the fact that the 49ers are going to be in the same situation they were a year ago as they were going into this season I I think speaks volumes and I think it's a big reason why Kyle Shanahan has been able to kind of take his time with all of this. I don't think it's a great look that Steve Wilkes is gone and he was fired after maybe having one of the best statistical years on defense that the 49ers have had. And then the fact you probably win that game and he's a Super Bowl champion defensive coordinator if you don't have a guy try to jump on the ball rather than try to pick it up There's so many things that you can look at in that team. You take the ball in overtime, all this stuff. But there was something wrong philosophically there. And that's what's talked about when you hire defensive coordinators. So if that philosophy changed during the season, then I understand it. I understand it. You saw him call the timeout in uh, the fourth quarter when you saw zero blitz coming. You know, this was not what Kyle Shanahan wanted. So there was a philosophy problem there. And now he's going to move on. Your guys' point around in-house, yes. I think Chris Kosurik, defensive uh, tackle coach, unbelievable X's and O's guys. I think his name could be brought up here as a guy that elevates why what's been the best part of the San Francisco 49ers over the last five years it's been that
2: defensive line Not this year
3: not this year they were banged up a little bit Armstead came back and they were a different football team in the Super Bowl they really were I felt so that's a name that if you want to look in house I think the guy he started at the very bottom right he started with me at West Texas A&M all right coaching wow. at the division two level and I always knew it when I saw him. he knew what he was doing he's bounced all the way the Cowboys Detroit Lions been with the 49ers with one of the best he's a guy that has earned the opportunity and that may just be where that's they awesome. go when when it's all said and done. He's, so. viewed,
2: he's viewed as the best defensive line coach in football. I think that's pretty much understood. As It's just how, he's never expressed, hey, I want to be a defensive coordinator. He's always been happy with that. Do you think he would want to take that jump up? Because for years, he's always been the guy, and he's always been like, I'm good here.
3: Yeah, yeah. everybody says that. But behind the scenes, they want to be the guy. They want to, they want to coordinate a defense. Like, he, in his mind, he thinks with what they have in terms of talent, with well, some of my ideas here, I mean, we could be incredibly special. Everybody feels that way. I get it. I've talked to many coaches and say, I love the day when I just could go in my office and drop X's and O's and didn't have to talk to anybody or do anything else and just do the thing that I do well. There's something to be said for that. But, you know, when you coach at the highest possible level like this, you talked to Spags last week. Yeah. He wants to be a head coach. He wants to be a head coach. He wants another opportunity. Everybody wants that chance to be at the next level, to do something different to be seen as that. To be seen in a place where a defensive tackle coach sits in the background and maybe isn't as seen as he may want to be because of what he can do as a coach.
1: Well, the Niners they wanted Vic Fangio last year as their defensive coordinator and that didn't work out. So, the mismatch in philosophies with Steve Wilks and their system, you kind of like felt all season long that the players and Steve Wilks like at least like the stars weren't really on the same page together and Steve Wilks's background, he His focus is DBs, and that's not really how it works in that system there. It's more of like a Seattle cover three, and so in my mind, I would love to see Pete Carroll cross enemy lines and go over to the Niners. I feel like that would be kind of a fun wrinkle. Maybe it would help the hangover. I don't know, but Steve Wilkes, I mean, his defense allowed three points in the first half. 19 points in regulation against one of the greatest quarterback head coach duos maybe ever. I mean, Tom Brady and Belichick of course they are cemented but hey like Mahomes and Reed absolutely give them competition and I think that all of this when the Niners have to pay Brock Purdy then the situation becomes very real Mm -hmm. when they are having to make decisions about Brandon Ayuk and how how are they going to make this work with a potential cap situation like when you have skill position players if the Niners are in the situation that the Chiefs are in do you see the Niners being able to to pull off a Super Bowl win if they can't keep these players around Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy right now they have on league minimum. So it's nice for them now, but I'm not sure how they can move forward and how that will look.
2: Real quick, I, I'm friends with a lot of Niners fans. Like, there's this feeling of, like, it was right there. It, like, it this was, was the yeah, year. Yeah, there's,
3: there's something to the yeah. point of, uh, of having the opportunities and not getting it. Everybody's going to be looking for a job if you can't get the championship. It just is. do so no matter how great you are, if you keep getting the opportunities, you don't get it done. Uh-huh. Everybody's going to be out of a job.
1: And everyone's looking for a job at the scouting combine. Let's go. That's what it is, everybody. The 2024 NFL Scouting Combine presented by Noble. It kicks off this Thursday. You're going to have the D-line and the linebackers up first on Thursday. On Friday, it's the DBs and tight ends. Then on Saturday. It is the big day. We have running backs, quarterbacks, and wide receivers all wrapping up with the offensive line on Sunday. The Scouting Combine coming up February 29th through March 3rd on NFL Network and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Let's send it out to Indianapolis where everything is going down. Lucas Oil Stadium, Tom Pellicero joins us. Good morning, Tom. Looking good, looking fresh today. I don't know how much coffee you've had. I've had quite a bit at this point. So what's the latest from Indy?
5: Well, Colleen, how close are we to the NFL scouting combine kicking off here? Well, you can faintly hear in the background there's guys spray painting the field, literally spray painting scouting combine in the end zone. I think you missed a spot in the corner. Uh, they're doing a great job out here. Uh, we're going to be getting going later on this week with the workouts. Some of the players, though, already arriving here, defensive linemen and linebackers. Their early arrivals were on Sunday. The DBs, the tight ends get in town today. There's a lot of different parts of this process in terms of the orientation. There's different phases of medical. There are, of course, the team interviews. And then we get to those workouts, which start on Thursday. All eyes, as always, On the quarterbacks, though, at least a couple of the top prospects will not be doing much on the field. That includes Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, the presumptive number one overall draft pick who will not throw or work out here in Indianapolis. My understanding is he is going to go through the interviews with the clubs, which is going to be significant for teams like the Bears. The first time they've really gotten a chance to speak with him directly in a formal type of a setting here. Jaden Daniels from LSU also not planning to throw here at the combine. Both those players going to wait until their pro days, but some of the other top quarterbacks are ready to get out here and compete. That includes JJ McCarthy from Michigan, Bo Nix from Oregon as well, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. They all are going to participate in that quarterback throwing session on Saturday. Should be a lot of fun out here. Of course, a lot of fun also in the bars, restaurants around town where Various deals might start to get done through the course of this week. One deal that potentially could get done here in the coming weeks is one that keeps Andy Reid in Kansas City. My understanding is the Chiefs and Andy Reid are set to open negotiations in the coming weeks on a new contract that league sources believe should soon make Reid the highest paid coach in all of football. General Manager Brett Veach, also, up for a new contract. Both Reed and Veach have two years left on the new six year deals that they signed and to the Chiefs' first Super Bowl win four years ago. Raise some eyebrows around the league after last year's second Super Bowl win that the Chiefs did not do new contracts with Reed and Veach. At that time, Reed ranks roughly eighth among head coaches right now in terms of average annual value on his contract. Veach, one of the lowest paid general managers. Well, the Chiefs already did a new deal with Steve Spagnolo. They extended Dave Tobes' contract as their special teams coordinator. Now it is Reed and Veach's turn, certainly well earned after back to back Super Bowl titles. Colleen.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Big red up for a big deal. Tom, make sure that you're charging all of your phones, all of your external chargers. I hope you have just like multiple cables and chargers all over the place, wired, ready for the combine. We'll be back after this.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.
1: Listen, guys, we've had eight new head coaching hires this offseason. A lot of movement there. Some have experience as a head coach at the Scouting Combine, but for others, this is a brand-new experience in Indy. So, of these eight guys, which new head coach will have the most eyeballs on them? Not only this week at the Combine, but for the rest of the offseason,
2: Peter. I think there's something really cool happening in Washington right now, and it's fresh blood, but it's also this new era for a franchise that seems to be stuck in the mud the last few years. That's nothing to do with Ron Rivera or the previous management and coaches. New ownership, new ownership. Josh Harris comes in and it was given Rivera a couple years to figure things out. Now it's his guy and his guy is Dan Quinn. Yes, the same Dan Quinn, who is defensive coordinator for the Cowboys the last few years and who was obviously a Super Bowl coach for the Falcons. I love this hire. I think DQ comes in with a revitalized energy for this fan base, but I also think it's an interesting time in Washington franchise history, crossing the roads. They have a quarterback in Sam Howell who... I don't know, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. Do you consider bringing back Howell and drafting around him? Or do you go for the second best quarterback if Caleb Williams is off the board? Where do you go big and do you swing and do you make a monster offer with the Chicago Bears and do you go and get the dude? I'm looking at Adam Peters right now, who comes with Dan Quinn. Adam Peters was with San Francisco for the last several years as the number two to John Lynch. Adam Peters is the new GM with Dan Quinn. Do they come in here and say, hey, first-year head coach, first-year general manager, let's take a massive swing at this. Let's offer the world to Chicago, and let's go and get our offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury, also new, the quarterback that he had at USC. I look at this triumphant here. There's Kingsbury, okay? Cliff, Coach Caleb, That's Adam Peters. He comes out of San Francisco where he was watching Brock Purdy go to a Super Bowl. I think these guys are all part of the mix here. Fresh blood. It's the only franchise that has a new owner, new head coach, new GM, new offensive coordinator, and might very well have a new quarterback. Question is, who is that new quarterback going to be? Do they stick with Howell? Do they roll the dice on Caleb Williams? Do they take a Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels? Or do they sign another free agent quarterback? It is wide open, and that's why I think Dan Quinn is the face of it. But it is a fully formed, new, fresh blood in Washington. And I can't wait to see what the commanders become, especially with this new leadership.
4: Yeah, they've taken their time to put all the pieces in the right spot. And I look at them and Quinn and their position in the draft. You said it, the number two spot to go out and get their guy. And as I look at that list of new head coaches, draw Mayo, he have an opportunity at the three spot to possibly get a quarterback if they don't decide to stick with Mac Jones and so some of the other guys on that list whether it's Canales whether it's McDonald with Seattle whether it's Harbaugh now with the Chargers they have veteran quarterbacks that you're expecting whether it's Geno Smith or Herbert those are going to be the guys I look at Raheem Morris and Antonio Pierce they are two new head coaches where now they're taking over a job there's question marks at the quarterback position but neither one of them have a top five draft pick so what do they do? At that spot. For the Raiders, they're at the 13th spot. That's one of those ones where we say within a draft, it's a terrible spot to be in because you're not close enough to the top to really possibly get the guy you want. But are not all the way in the back, really, to kind of save it up and be able to have those picks. They're coming off a season in which Josh McDaniels is fired midway through. They went with their interim head coach. The last time we saw this, they didn't. And they decided to bring in McDaniels. So now Antonio Pierce is the guy, and eyes are going to be on them to see are they a team that potentially moves up in that draft? Draft with one of those top teams to go out and get a quarterback that they want. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster assuming that they release Jimmy Garoppolo and don't have him Hoyer a guy who'll be here tomorrow. He's still on the roster as well. Do they stick with Aiden O'Connell. What are the decisions that they're going to have to make in leading up to the draft especially with the combine this week. How are they scouting the quarterbacks. And I think the same thing with Raheem Morris in Atlanta. We watched the Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke show that went on this year. So for him coming in at that eight spot. Is it J.J. McCarthy? Do you think he's the guy that falls to that spot, and are you happy, and think he's the guy that can take your team into the future? I think the question marks and the eyeballs are on those two guys because they're not at the
2: exact spot to draft a quarterback, but there are two teams that need one as well. Hey, uh, just I think Rich Gannon and Daryl LaMonica have a better shot at starting than Jimmy Garoppolo this year. <laughs> for, for sure. So let's just put that to bed. They're, it won't be, they're in the quarterback market. No doubt about for it. For sure.
3: Yeah, they better be. If they want to win in that division, and they're talking it like they want to win that division, We've heard them over the last few days. Antonio Pierce said, you know, hey, they're writing checks right now. I don't know. Kansas City Chiefs are still sitting down the road there and (laughs) own that West division. I don't care. Jordan rules, Ryan. We'll see. Jordan rules. All right. So mine is perfectly situated for the guy that is replacing the GOAT. I mean, how do you do that, right? How do you replace Bill Belichick? Also, I just felt like it was a little bit underwhelming. The news story, it was really kind of low-key. Gerard Mayo steps in as the next head football coach for the New England Patriots. All eyes have to be on him. Why? Well, on Apple TV right now, you can watch the Dynasty talking about this exact team, how they built a Dynasty They want to get back to that legacy, and that's what Bob Kraft is hoping with Gerard Mayo. So all eyes will be on him. What are you going to do with the third overall pick? Are you going to try to make a move to move up and get the quarterback you want? Or do you believe at the third pick you can ultimately get the quarterback that you need? Gerard Mayo watched as Bill Belichick over the last few years really held a quarterback in a hostage situation. Really. You watched him regress from being a Pro Bowl quarterback his rookie year, a playoff quarterback his rookie year, to becoming what a lot of people think is a punchline in New England, which is a travesty for a guy that was on an upward trajectory. And they're going to have to find the quarterback because what made it all go in New England and the reason why Bill Belichick does not have a job right now is because... They lost the quarterback, the franchise quarterback. Do they go out and find one now? Gerard Mayo, all eyes on him here during the combine, as well as leading into the draft.
1: I mean, that makes total sense. He's replacing one of the greatest head coaches of all time with no head coaching experience himself. That's a great one. For me, I'm going Harps of the gym variety here, and I know that he's not a new head coach in the NFL, but like for this exercise, he sort of is. And what's the next logical step after winning a national championship? It's win the highest prize in pro football and he almost did that back in 2012 but his brother got the best of the two in that game in the Super Bowl so Harbaugh is entering a situation where he has a quarterback who some would argue is one of the most naturally talented in the league and now it's about building around him and their cap situation is not great this is a massively important draft for the Chargers they have the head coach in place they have the quarterback who's already been paid they have $142 million wrapped up in cap space tied to Khalil Mack, who's 33, Keenan Allen, who's turning 32, Mike Williams, who turns 30 during the season, and Joey Posa, who turns 39. So they need 29 29, 29. No. my god, can you imagine if he was playing 39 to be crazy? Yeah. They need a good. He looks great for his age, yeah. though. Uh, They need a good <laughs> influx of young talented on rookie deals coming into this team and Harbaugh with a huge NFL name Already will just naturally have eyeballs on him But now with this offseason being so important for the Chargers the spotlight is even brighter on there's, Harbaugh
2: There's no more excuses for Justin Herbert at this point or the Chargers. Or the Chargers. I, I always bring up this stat, and maybe it's because you guys are out based in L.A. A couple years ago, and Jason, it was your first year on the show, yeah. we did Super Bowl predictions yep. the network, and 11 different staff members on air chose the Chargers to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl without them having any history of it. But it was this, everyone was just like, oh, well, Herbert, does it make sense? Is the next yeah. step. And it wasn't a terrible prediction. Everyone had their and they haven't made the playoffs last year, and they got bounced in the first round the year before. It's like, Herbert, like, okay, at some point it is the quarterback. We see the talent, we see wow. the numbers. They, at some time, you got the payday. Like, I know that everyone likes him as a guy. And he, Harbaugh was hired to get the best out of Justin Herbert. Make no mm-hmm. mistake about it.
1: Yeah, so the combine is unbelievably important for fifth.
2: Harbaugh.
3: Because what do you do? You make a big splash?
1: Exactly. We're going to find out soon enough. It's a 2024 NFL Scouting Combine presented by Noble. It starts this Thursday. First up, you have the D-line and the linebackers on Friday. It's the DBs and tight ends. And then on Saturday, the big day, the headline day, running backs, quarterbacks, and wide receivers with the offensive linemen on Sunday. It starts February 29th through March 3rd right here on NFL Network and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Nice. Okay, coming up next, we have the greatest show on turf meeting the greatest sports show on tv okay we got rams legend tori holt joining the show
4: i played against tori holt my rookie did you really let's talk yes, about that rookie, yeah. what, what team was tori on is he a ram jag yeah that's I'm right an absolute legend
0: you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring
1: Our next guest, he won a Super Bowl as part of the greatest show on turf, played 11 NFL seasons, over 1,000 receiving yards in eight of them, a seven time Pro Bowler. Please welcome back to the show, yeah. friend of the show, wide <laughs> receiver, big game, Tory Hall. Great to see you. I'm already loving the energy. This is awesome. All right, so, Tori, let's start with the last game that was played because I know that you were in Vegas for the Super Bowl. The yes. Chiefs, I mean, they've become back-to-back champs, three rings in the last five seasons. What have you seen? Do you believe that this could end up being the greatest dynasty, quote-unquote, in NFL history?
6: I've seen fantastic football. I've seen fantastic leadership from GM Brent Beach to Andy Reid. Office coordinator uh, Matt Nagy and defense coordinator Steve Spagnoli, everybody on the same page moving towards the greater goal, which is to become Super Bowl champions. They're doing that, as you just mentioned, on continuing their stride to building a, a, a dynasty. What I love about the Kansas City Chiefs is that they draft well, they bring in free agents, and they do a hell of a job of developing their talent. When you look at the young roster on the defensive side of the ball, all guys that they've drafted and developed, you look at the offensive side of the ball, starting with Patty Mahomes, who they've drafted and developed. And these guys are turning out championships. So the Kansas City Chiefs is doing it at the highest of level from the from management down to the players.
2: Tori, we had the opportunity to hang in Mobile, Alabama a couple of weeks ago uh, when they were yeah. honoring the 75th anniversary team. And congratulations to you on that. Uh, Thanks, Pete. We go to Super Bowl weekend. Everyone's rooting for you. it. This Hall of Fame story continues to go on. Now we see other receivers getting in. I, I hate to bring it up on the show because we love you so much, but we also want to address it because I think we got to right this wrong. Uh, your thought on the Hall of Fame process and where you stand right now, still as someone on the outside looking in.
6: The journey continues. That's kind of how what I what I live by. You know, certainly was disappointed That's again, question. being uh, a finalist for five years straight and then still <laughs> coming up short. But you know what? I trust the process of the the voters and what they're doing. It's tough, guys and girls, to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I totally understand that. But at the same time, I'm thankful to be mentioned as a potential Pro Football Hall of Famer. Look, you all know I love the game of football. I did it at the highest level for a decade. The accolades, I can go on and on. Championships, individual accolades that I got, team accolades, I can do that for days. I love playing the game of football. At some point, I think I'll cross the finish line. I've been told the last two years I've been voted down to the final 10. So now I need to go from 10 to 5 and to crossing the finish line. I stay excited. I stay enthused about the situation, about the process. I've got good people in my corner. I continue to lean on my faith. In due time, I'll be back on the show as pro football Hall of Famer.
4: Mm -hmm. I I absolutely love that I love the perspective every time I've been around you your energy what you give to the younger guys that have come from this game is truly remarkable so I appreciate that energy and we're all rooting for you and I can't wait to introduce you on this show as a pro football Hall of Famer and a lot of those stats a lot of those numbers you did it with the Rams and had a sensational rookie year there's another receiver who's coming off a great rookie year and that's Puka Nakua record-breaking season in LA a lot of people compares his his, compare his to yours in 99 what has impressed you most about Puka and what he's been able to do this past season
6: I, I love Puka man you know I, I love the energy and the passion and the way Puka Nakua plays the game of football and he's such a sponge and he's got a great leader in Cooper Cup that he can learn from as well as other guys that are on that roster but his passion his toughness his ability to catch the football go after the ball attack the ball run after the catch He's also included in the run game. He's a physical guy in the run game, which as you know, when you watch Sean McVay's offense, he asks his wide receivers to get involved in the run game because it helps them in the passing game. And he takes it with stride and he does a hell of a job with it. The lineage of Rams receivers continue with Puka Nakua. When I think back of Henry Ellard and all the great Rams wide receivers that's played the game, Isaac Bruce and myself and Cooper Cup and others. The lineage still continues with Puka Nakua. He's a sponge. He's a humble individual who takes success the right way. And if and I hadn't had an opportunity to meet Puka yet. And I'm so excited when I do get a chance to meet him. But I've heard great things about him. But just watching him from the outside, he's a guy that respects the game of football. He is thankful for where he is. And he's making the most of every opportunity that he gets. And that's what it's about, guys. Having fun, doing your job at the highest level, and representing your family. He's doing a hell of a job. and I'm glad that he is a L.A. Ram.
3: Well, I think a lot of people are, and I think a lot of people in St. Louis were very happy you were a St. Louis Ram, <laughs> and what you were able to do in your first four years in the league, I think, speaks volumes. Another guy that's done a tremendous job in his four, first four years is, is Justin Jefferson. Okay? He he leads out of that group of great wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Randy Moss, CeeDee Lamb, and there he is, Torrey Holt, future Pro Football Hall of Famer with 5,000 yards in his first Four seasons. He's been working to get a possible new extension done, but it could be costly for Minnesota. So, in your yeah. opinion, do you feel like it would be beneficial for the Vikings to pay top dollar for Justin Jefferson?
6: Heck yeah! I mean, he's one of the he's one of the <laughs> best young wide receivers that we have in our game. And if the Minnesota Vikings don't pay him, someone else will, and he'll go there and be productive. You got a productive wide receiver If you just saw the numbers in the first four years over five thousand yards a guy who is going to continue to get better. guy is going to continue to ascend up the charts in the National Football League, and he's a playmaker and he makes other guys around him better. So if you double him someone one else, Addison is getting one on one. If you double now Addison, now you got Justin Jefferson in the situation where he's getting one on ones and we all know you can't touch this dude on a one on one situation. So he's a special talent. He's been there. He's been available. He's been trustworthy and he's produced. They need to make sure that they strongly consider paying this future, this, this, this guy right who is the future of the wide receiver position. And again, he's only going to continue to get better and better. And I can only imagine the dances are going to continue to get better and better and the pockets get fatter.
1: <laughs> they get deeper uh, as well. Yes. All right, so that's awesome. We need Justin Jefferson to get paid. We need to get you into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And now we need to go to Seussville. Dr. Seuss Enterprises and Creative Minds Publications. They've teamed up with the NFL for the eighth annual Tackle Reading event. So you're going to be the spokesperson for the national yeah. initiative this year. Tell me more. I need to know everything. What are you doing? I love Dr. Seuss. <laughs>
6: I'm, I'm super excited. You know, I was we were out in Vegas with the commissioner, the legends, directors, and coordinators, and we did a, a reading literacy event out in Las Vegas with the commission. And that was a great time. So that set it off. And then I got a call from Captain Stark who runs Creative Minds Publications. And the Tackle Reading Program was created by Inner City Elementary School, and I mentioned Captain Stark. And these events were created to inspire children to fall in love with reading young and to become lifelong readers. Literacy and love of reading opens doors, as we all know, and reading is necessary. It's important to cultivate reading skills early to set them on the right path. So for the eighth annual event, there will be 13 NFL teams that will be involved. The Lions, the Dolphins. Just give me a minute here as I go through the list. I'm so excited about our teams and our players participating. The Patriots, the Chargers, the Cardinals, Vikings, Texans, Colts, Jaguars, Seahawks, Los Angeles Rams, Commanders, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all are going out into their local schools and reading to the kids and encouraging them to stick with reading. I know how important reading is for me. I wouldn't be able to be on this show and to be able to comprehend the questions and be able to answer the questions if I wasn't able to read. And I remember sitting down as a young boy uh, with my mom and you remember how you used to have the reading logs and you had to read 20 minutes, 30 minutes, your mom, dad, they, you know, they had to fill, sign the note that you did your reading. I'm glad that I was able to sit down and have those reading opportunities to learn how to read, learn how to comprehend, to learn how to be creative and imagine. That's the beauty of reading. So I try to, and I'm trying now to do a better job of reading. I've now picked up a couple of books that I'm reading, but the book that I'll be reading of choice when I go back to my elementary school, Gibsonville Elementary School, is all the places you'll go. This is a fantastic (laughs) book for any age, whether you are K through six, Whether you're in middle school, high school, or even adult, all the places you'll go. So I get an opportunity to sit down and read that book to the kids. It's a really good book by Dr. Seuss. And like you said, Colleen, everyone loves Dr. Seuss. I'm glad that I'll be kicking it off March 1st. This Friday, be kicking off the initiative of encouraging young folks and encouraging people to read to to our young folks, to encourage reading, and that reading is necessary and that you get better and you get smarter and you get more creative Mm. when you do more reading.
1: Oh, I mean, so well said. You are the perfect ambassador. Your enthusiasm is absolutely contagious. Also, Fox and Sox is a real banger by Dr. Seuss as well. Yeah, so check that one out. Add that to the list, too. Tori, you're the best. Future Hall of Famer, we're with you on that. We endorse it as well. We can't wait until you come back on the show.
4: Thank you, guys.
6: Thanks for having me. Tori. Thank you very much. Peace.
4: Our next guest is a Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl 58 champion coming off a career year in Kansas City, who played a huge role for that Chiefs defense this past season. And we know he's getting his ring pretty soon. Please give a warm welcome to Chiefs defensive end Charles Omenahu. What's
7: happening, man? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Hey,
4: nothing much. We're doing good. I love that you're rocking the Super Bowl 58 hat. Represent. Let everybody know that you got that ring. Now, your 2023 season, unfortunately, we know it was cut shorter than you would have liked. Suffered a torn ACL in the AFC Championship game against the Ravens. Had surgery last week. Let us know how you're feeling, where you're at in rehab and recovery and everything. Looking forward to next season.
7: Yeah. So, like you said, I had surgery on last Tuesday. Tomorrow make it a week think i'm doing pretty good a lot of people have been like who i've seen said that i've been recovering pretty fast in the short stage that i'm in so all i can do is go day by day it's a day-by-day day process can't look too much ahead and uh definitely looking forward for next year man
1: well, we hated that you couldn't play in the game, but you were there. You were there for the win. You were there for the parade as well. What was the entire experience like for you? Because you were just such a big part of the team actually getting to that point. So how were yeah. you able to enjoy it, kind of just watching?
7: Yeah, throughout the week, I told reading them. that I wanted to be there for the weekend, just experience the whole Super Bowl atmosphere because I felt like I couldn't play, but like you said, I was a big part of it. So I just wanted to see how it all felt, really, man. Um, The glamour and the glitz behind it, and then the game itself. And it felt good. I was happy for the guys. I told the guys, like, you guys did, y'all finish it off for me. And those guys were definitely telling me all week that they were gonna make sure I get a ring. And I I can't thank them enough. Uh, Unfortunately, I wasn't at the parade because I had my my surgery scheduled. You know, I heard only good things about it until, you know, unfortunately, the end. Um, and uh, I, my prayers go out to the families that are affected in the, in the shooting. But overall, it was good. The Super Bowl um, week was good. And hopefully next year we can, we can get back. And I'm, I got two good, two good legs to play.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah. Yeah. Charles,
3: uh, you're coming off your best season in the NFL. Uh, you know, a career high in sacks and tackles. But all that in just 11 games played. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you took to social media saying, you just want to feel appreciated. What do you feel like you did enough this past season to potentially get that new contract you're looking for?
7: Uh, I think I did, to be honest. Like you said, seven sacks in 11 games, and then the sack in the in the championship game to kind of spark off the the, the wave of defensive plays. Finished second on the team in sacks, and didn't have the first six games to to, get to catch up with George and Chris, so. I think I did. I think that the tape speaks for itself. I think I showed dominant run play as far as and then as long as with the pass rush inside and outside and just winning one on ones, uh, creating turnovers, um, being the spark and like the energy plays that uh, they wanted me to, uh, to be when I got there. I wish I could have had another full, a full season this year to kind of do the same, but I think I showed every everybody in the organization, everybody in the league that uh, I should be talked about in the maybe not in the in the in the and them kind of conversation, but those guys right after guys that you when you go and do your game plan, you got you got to look for ninety out there on the field, and because if you don't, I'll get your quarterback one way or another. <laughs>
2: Dang right, <laughs> dang right. And look, like, you were the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. It's not like you're some, like, you, you've done it. And with the Texans, you did it. And with the 49ers, you did it. And now you're doing it with the Chiefs. Another guy who's done it is Chris Jones. Earlier in the show, we were talking about Chris, who's a free agent to be. And I said, if he never plays another snap, he's a Hall of Famer. And I don't want to see him in another 100%. uniform. What was it like lining up with Chris Jones? And do you think Chris Jones should get that back?
7: A hundred percent. I'm bossing for Chris, man. Chris was a, was a hell of a leader, first and foremost. Um, and then just throughout the season, man, yeah, his relentlessness, his leadership, his run play, his effort—those things that you don't see in the stat sheet—he really showed up. And I, I like I, I told him, I told the guys where I played with, top of the line defense alignment, I mean, those guys that every week the the staff is looking at, like, yo, you're gonna make a play that's gonna change the game, and he's right up there with JJ and, and Bosa, the two other guys that I played that are just dominant forces and. I hope that everything works out and that he's a chief for the rest of his career. Because playing with him, he just I just just fed off of him so much, and and he taught me a lot. Just a big thing that Chris taught me was just patience and never press, let the game come to you. And and he just his leadership skills just were second to none.
4: I love that patience and let the game come to you. One thing that you're not patient about is the way you attack off the field and you have a passion for charity work. And you've been using your platform to bring awareness to things that are important to you. And one of those things happens to be heart health. Why is this cause Mm -hmm. so important to you? And so what are some of the things that you're working on?
7: So I had a, a best friend of mine that died in 2015 from a heart condition. And uh it hit it hit home for me and, and all of our friend group, the whole community. And I promised his family, his sisters especially that I'll keep Newton's name alive. So when I had the opportunity and, and the, the platform got big enough, I part I had my team partner with the Heart Association and we kinda start the me building up awareness of CHD and um bringing more just eyes to it because i know you know there's all sorts of different things that people have to deal with and uh that's one thing that i really wanted to pinpoint and and bring awareness to and uh we're going to continue to push things during the year especially when i'm when i'm back playing i think we plan on having patients of chd come to games and i do the hospital visits and just have one-on-one talks with them and you know the biggest thing is like those people might want to feel like they're normal and that's the thing that newton Kind of talked to me about it. He didn't want to feel like he was different from anybody else. He had to wake up and take all those medications and stuff. And it's hard on the day-to-day to feel like, hey, I'm just like everybody else. I just have this little this hole in my heart. And you want to try and make them feel as good as possible about themselves. Make them feel like, yo, it's it's okay. What makes you different is what makes you special. So that's what kind of what I
4: want to do. Great work, man. Continue to keep that up off the field and continue your rehab. Looking forward to seeing you all there on the field next year. I appreciate y'all.